Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you making time to learn and grow with us. Here you will find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen. My name is Nathan. Uh, if you don't know me, I've been part of Westside for a long time. Um, I'll let you guys look behind the curtain a little bit. I, 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 I like speaking, but one of the hardest things is always figuring out how to start, the, like the, what you're going to say at the very beginning. And uh, ta- often I'll, I'll start describing, um, you know, first what I do for a living, because I'm, I'm an elementary school teacher. Um, and, and I think that's one thing, whenever we meet someone at a party or a church, or hey, so what do you do? Something we ask. Why do we do that? Um, I think there's something fascinating about how we're curious about what other people do, uh, do as a living and how they spend their days during the week. Um, I think there's a good reason for that. Um, we, uh, we, you know, I, I, I'm always personally really interested in like how, you know, the, what they do as a, as a job shapes them personally. I'm kind of like, I have a friend who, uh, who drives trucks and snow plows and, uh, I'm just, I, how, how do you do that for long periods of time? How, how much patience does that take to be stuck in traffic for long periods of time? And you know that, you know, your job is done when you finally get there. And then how do you spend all that time by yourself? Just sitting, it's just strange. I don't know. I, I can do it. I, 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 think I'd get, I think I'd fall asleep is my, my number one concern. But I don't know if uh, um, even after, after church, I tend to have this lull and Steph, and, and Steph has to drive us home because otherwise I can't even make it. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just spent, just gone. Um, I have a friend who, uh, uh, who's a nurse and he, he uh, serves uh, people in the emergency room. And he's the one who has to stay calm when everyone else is freaking out. Um, and uh, I just think that's, that's like, how, how do you do that? How do you disassociate what you're, you know, what you're living uh, with the situation and try to stay strong in that, in that moment? Um, I think this is one thing that, that, uh, that, you know, like that, that, that is just the most amazing thing. Is like what you do over time shapes you. Um, and I think this is true. Like every line of work... Um, every line of work we have offers insights into Christian living. I think there's, there's, a, there's truth to that. Like more, the more you uh, do a job, the more it shapes you. And, and what, it, what it shapes in you is sometimes there's, there's elements, there's truth to that. Uh, there, I think there's a reason why Jesus, when he does, did, did it, like when he would walk and he would speak, he would talk about farmers, he would talk about fishermen, he would talk about other things because people, as they work, um, as, they, as they do life, learn things, fundamental truths. Um, so, what do I learn? <laughs> I'm a teacher. Um, I think one thing that I learn as a teacher is how people grow. How kids, specifically, I've been, it's been over 10 years now, I work with, uh, with grade six, so they're like this size, <laughs> uh, we're grade six kids, and uh, I work with, uh, my, my classroom is much, much cooler than this one. Um, I just took a stock photo because I forgot to take a picture. I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I should have taken a picture of my class. Next time. Um, so, uh, yeah, so my class, so I, my, my thing is I have these grade six kids who are on, their, on the cusp of jumping into high school, and I try to work at preparing them to, to go, to be like students that, that, that learn on their own and that can, can, um, can develop into the, the teens and then some eventually young adults that, that they're called to be. Um, how do they deal with uh, challenges and exams? And that's part of what I do. And um, one fundamental thing I've learned is that right relationship is foundational 
to learning. Um, as a teacher, I have messed this up. And particularly in my first years of, of, of teaching, I remember I had a, a student who um, was in a fight with another student, and I tried to, 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 to mediate the two, and that's something that they don't train you for in, in university, how to mediate a fight between two hormonal 10-year-old girls. Um, it's a challenge. Um, I don't think anything prepares you for that, honestly. That's, uh, uh, that, is, that is difficult stuff. I have, yeah, I have that age at home at the moment, too, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. But uh, one thing I said, and I regretted it afterwards, I, I, sa I said to one of them, who was, in my mind, clearly in the wrong, I, I, don't, I don't trust you. I don't trust what you're saying. I trust what she's saying, but I don't trust what you're saying. And I shouldn't have done that. And the minute I did that, it was done. Like that student, I had lost her for the rest of the year. And it was, I tried, it was already like, well, well it was already in, in, in May, so it wasn't like, it was just two months. But, but still, it was, <laughs> it was done. Like I, my, my ability to connect with her, my ability to teach her, every advice I would give her, every teaching I'd give her was tainted by this poison in her mind that I don't believe her, I don't trust her, I, I don't love her, it didn't work anymore. Um, and I think this is true of many things. If you have a, a coach uh, and the coach you feel like is, is, is shortchanging you, doesn't, doesn't appreciate you, doesn't believe in you, that, that destroys um, that, that, that situation. And you, you, you stop performing the way you can. If you have a boss who, doesn't, who you believe doesn't like you, if you have a, a, a parent who you believe doesn't love you, that makes for a real big crack in the foundation. Right relationships are foundational to learning and growth. So what does that have to do with, with the Bible and what we're getting at? Um, we're in a, a series called Foundation, where uh, the past couple weeks, if you haven't been here, David's been talking about just these foundational relations. This is foundation that we want to build our lives on. This, how, this foundation we want to build 2024 on and then going forward from that um, and we've been looking in, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is, which is a foundational teaching of the, of the Christian church. It's when Jesus, um, it's when the, the authors took a, lot, a bunch of Jesus' teachings and, in one, and, and wrote them all down in one section of the Bible in Matthew 7. And in that section, you read what really is the foundation of, of the Christian, Christian teaching. Um, we've been reading a parable that's at, in 24 and 25, 26, later in the, uh, near the end of the chapter. I'm going to jump a little bit before, because I think it kind of fits with the whole relationship with God uh, aspect that I'm trying to get at today. So we're going to read Matthew 7, verse 21, all the way to the end at 27. All right. So but before that, I think I'm just going to pray. Lord, um, help us all put aside uh, whatever obstacles we might be feeling in our hearts right now. Uh, whatever concerns or distractions that we might have from this week. Um, Lord, we want to have a right relationship with you. We want to know you personally. We want to uh, be shaped by your words. Lord, give me and give us all at this moment your, your Holy Spirit to speak to us directly in our hearts and help us see how these words apply to us, how um, you want us to be uh, aware of, of, uh, of your truth in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is Matthew 7, uh, starting in verse 21. 
Not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus speaking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, this is what we've been reading the past few weeks, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against, blew and beat against the house, and it fell down with a great crash. So if you've been here the past weeks, you've, you've been reading the, the later parts, the verse 24 and, and 20, 27, that talks about this foundation. And yet, um, there's a part right before that where you have this, uh, th- these people who come to, to, to want into the kingdom of heaven and are saying to, to, to Jesus, hey, we're going in, we're right, we're, 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 all, we're all good. And Jesus says to them, no, you, you don't even know me. Um, there's a link between these two. And it's this scary idea that there are some pe- believers, people who, who are prophesying, who are doing miracles, who are driving out demons, who aren't really doing the will of Jesus. I find this a very scary text to read because, you know, as you, as you are growing up in the church, in my case, as you are coming to the church, you sometimes wonder, hey, is it possible for me to be Christian in my words, Christian in my practices, and still be building my life on sand? Is it possible for me to be all about Jesus in what I say, but that my foundation isn't solid on the rock? Do we, do we, do we often feel that way? I think that, that, you know, the church, for those who, if you're new to the church, the church is full of hypocrites. That's a good thing. Um, because it's, that's where we belong. We belong in the place where Jesus will speak to us and change us over time. If we had it all together, we wouldn't really need to come here. We need Jesus to speak to us, and we need these words. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because in this description of, of, of at the beginning of Matthew, you have this, this, this idea of this person, who, not even just like going to church and, and singing songs, pers- someone who is prophesying and driving out demons and performing miracles and yet doesn't know Jesus. If that person's doing all those things, and I compare my life where I don't do very many of those things very often, um, although driving out demons could be useful, I, I do, again, work in schools. Um, but, but, but at the same time, like, I, I, I think, you know, like, this is this, is this high standard of, of Christian practice or religious practice, and yet that I don't know Jesus? How can I know that I'm staying on the right path? How can I know that I'm actually building my foundation on the right thing. Um, thankfully, I think that our, our, our path, like we, we're not building our theology and our belief on Jesus on just one part of the Bible. And one of the amazing things about the, the New Testament is that it's written by all these different authors who all knew the same Jesus. And we're going to, this morning, jump out of Matthew 
and, and, and look at one of the other gospel writers, another person who knew Jesus, and look at in the book of John. And in the book of John, there's this beautiful passage where um, it's near the end of Jesus' ministry, and he's sitting with his disciples, and he's giving them the core teachings of, of his, his, the, the, his heart and what he wants people to become. And I think it answers the question of, like, how do we know if we're really on track? How do we know if we're really remaining in Jesus? And it's in John 15, and the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to read a section of it, I'm going to stop and talk about it, and then we're going to do, like, three different sections. So that's, that's the plan. Um, and I think we'll see that there's a link between the two. Um, and I think that we'll see that it's the same Jesus that, that's talking in Matthew, in Matthew, that's talking in John. So here we go. It's in John 15. And again, it's another image. It's a different image. It's not a foundation, uh, like, um, house image, but I think it, it does help us a lot. So we're starting from, from verse 1 to verse 6, section 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that does not, that, that he, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch in, that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will bear even more, be even more fruitful. You are already clean or pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Do you, do you see the link between the two? I, I think when we were looking at Matthew 7, and we're seeing how he, these people were coming to Jesus, and Jesus said, I don't even know you, get away from me. This whole idea of these branches being thrown away, I, I think that's, that's a similar teaching. This idea that they're, they're to remain in Jesus, those who remain in Jesus are connected to this vine, and those who don't know Jesus are away from this vine, are, are um, in danger of withering and being good to only to, being, to be thrown out. This, I think, is a fundamental Christian truth, that remaining in the words of Jesus, and that's, there's that word um, pruned, which is strange. It's this image of, I don't know if you've ever worked with, with gardening. I'm not a gardener, so I can't really go into details about gardening. But this idea of like trimming back a plant so that it will grow better and produce more fruit, um, this pruning happenings, this cleaning happenings through the words of Jesus. Um, in verse 3, the, the word clean in some, in some Bibles is the same word, Greek word, that's used in verse 2 where it talks about pruning. So really this idea of being pruned through his words, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's saying, these words I'm telling you are shaping you, are pruning you, are preparing you for fruit. Um, and if you remain in these words, if you let these words sit in you and, and remain in you, then you can accomplish great things. If you don't, you'll wither. Um, I, I, I wonder if... Um, I wonder if we're really aware of this. Often we tend to, to put people who uh, are in ministry or who do amazing like, Christian things as, as super talented or super skilled. I think that we underestimate how much we really don't know what we're doing. Um, my prep work coming up to today for a sermon 
is a lot of, I don't know what I'm doing. God help me. That's a lot of my prayer all week. And sometimes I, I, I feel like I'm stuck and then I'll spend hours um, working on it. I feel like I'm getting nowhere and then I'll go lie down and then I, and then I can't fall asleep because suddenly I have ideas. <laughs> I get back up at midnight and start writing things down and, and, and filling things out. And that's, that's prep work. But you know what happens? It's, it's those moments where I feel like I'm, God is finally showing me in that moment, what he wants me to do. And I don't know, you've asked, asked David afterwards. He's, he's not up here. He's, he's a bit freer today. So you can go talk to him afterwards and ask him, like, how much can he accomplish without Jesus, without remaining in him? And I feel like um, he'll tell you not very much, if not anything at all. And if there's one thing I admire about our pastor is that, is that he does spend a lot of time remaining in Jesus and spending time with him. And over the past couple of weeks, he's told us about a bit of his practices of, of spending time with Jesus. And, and, there's, and there's something true about this, that it, there is remaining in the word, remaining in Jesus is fundamental, is foundational to Christian life. We need a right relationship with Jesus. It's the, it's the starting point. And what does that starting point produce? Let's go further in, in that chapter, John 15, verses 7 and onwards. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. I, I, I put, uh, right after this slide, a picture of a whole bunch of fruit. Um, there's, like, if we put ourselves back in Bible times, like, this is before, like, the discovery of cane sugar and cocoa beans and chocolate and other things, like, this is the best you could possibly get for sweetness. And this is the image Jesus uses to talk about the fruit when it comes to uh, what Christian living is about. There is nothing in the, ancient, in the ancient world, maybe except maybe honey, but honey has bees involved and bees are scary. But, but, like, but, but honey and this here, this, the, the, these the, the sweetest thing you could get to would be, these, would be, would be this, this fruit. And what is this fruit? If you look at this passage in John 15, Jesus tells us what this fruit entails. What is the sweetest thing that we could have? Four things. The first thing he says is it gives us connection to the power of prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, it will be granted. Strange thought, eh? It will be done for you, whatever you wish. But again, this is remaining in God. So it's not just, hey, I wish for greatness and, um, and, and riches. Because remember, this is all part of also Jesus' teachings. What are Jesus' teachings? He says things like, what, is it, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? This is the Jesus that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You can't serve both God and money. Those are all words of Jesus. So we know that this ask whatever you wish, if it's, if it's in 
the life and out of, if the words are coming out of the mouth of a person who really has remain, is remaining in Jesus' words, the things you're going to be asking for won't necessarily be things that the world would ask for. Or you would ask a genie that you pulled out of a bottle. It's not the same. This is connection to the Father through Jesus. If you look in Hebrews, we have this image of us entering the throne room of God thanks to Jesus opening the way for us. And that when, as we pray, and this week we have, we're doing this focus on prayer, as we pray on Friday, we're open access to God. And we can go with the confidence that as we ask, and as we remain in God, that God will hear those prayers. And whatever we wish will be done. What an amazing privilege. How sweet is that, that the creator of the universe can hear us in this moment? That's just, and that's just the first thing. Because what comes with that, it's, there's the idea of glory. Glory to the Father. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Why does God answer those prayers? It's not to make us look good. It's to make God look good. Ultimately, the gardener is the one who looks good because of the fruit. And that's what we want. We want our lives to give glory to God. That when people see us, they say, how is this possible? if not for God, and that they also turn to him and discover who he is. After that, what's with that? Well, as the Father loves Jesus, and as Jesus remains in the Father, he wants us to remain in him and in his love. Um, in um, the message ver version of this passage, um, uh, Peterson writes, it's, he's, he uses the word remaining at home in his love takes the idea of abiding and remaining, and this idea that your place, your home, where you live, becomes in his love. I can't imagine a sweeter place than to, be know, to know that you're completely loved at all times through Jesus. Complete joy is what comes next. Because what does Jesus wish for us? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's the fruit we're looking for. And I love that this fruit isn't necessarily things like power or influence. And it's not things, and it's not freedom from suffering or, or freedom from pain. No, it's things that are so much deeper and even sweeter than all of that. That's the second part. Let's finish what Jesus says in John 15. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. I think this last part of the passage kind of shows us what, what remaining is like. What happens as you stay in Jesus, as you, as you, as you spend that, um, your life looking, after, looking at Jesus. And I love the contrast of, uh, I, I put the passage from John 7, 23, and John 15, 15, right one after another. This is what Jesus says to the people who don't know him. They say, 
then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away from me, evildoers. These people who would prophesy and, and do miracles and chase out demons in the name of Jesus, but not really know him. And then you have this version in John 15, 15, where he says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This, this, I think, is the biggest contrast of someone who is staying in Jesus and whose foundation is in remaining in Jesus and someone who doesn't know Jesus. They could be Christian in their words, they can be Christian in some of their actions, but they don't know Jesus if they don't know this one thing that's the master's business. And what is the master's business? It's love. Not that kind of emotional, um, Hollywood, love at first sight kind of love, but the, that long-term love that love of a mom sitting with a sick kid for hours on end. That kind of love of a father working a thankless job to bring home uh, money to feed kids, um, even though it's really a long day sometimes. That kind of love that has a, that of, a of a kid sitting with a, an ailing parent uh, at a hospital. pricks me every time to think of that kind of love that of, a, of a person who puts their life on hold to make someone else go first. The love that lays down their life for a friend. Do we realize that that is the love Jesus has for us? Um, I'm going to invite the, the band to start coming up, but I'm going to ask the questions here, like, when we started this series on foundation, we started this idea of sitting with Jesus, and often we think, hey, it's, it's just gonna, we're gonna open this, this book, and we're gonna read these things, and it's gonna be good for us to learn more about Jesus. But I think we need to remember as we do that, and I think it's really good to, to get to know the words, because the words do prune us, they do shape us. But what is the foundation? What is the first thing we need to remember every time we open this book, every time we come into this place, every time that we spend time with Jesus? What is foundational and what is first is to remember that Jesus loves you personally. And that no matter how long it's been, no matter how messed up or dirty or unclean you might feel, no matter how you struggle with doubt or fear, no matter how unreal or, or distant or strange it feels, Jesus loves you. And that's a foundational spot that we start from. And no matter how um, long you are in the church, no matter, no matter how much you've studied this book, no matter how expert you become at, at being uh, a Christian, that foundation is still what you have to come back to day in, day out. Otherwise, you could be prophesying and casting out demons and Jesus won't even know you because we all start from that one spot. Jesus loves you. And that starting spot is where I hope if you haven't been there yet, 
if, it's, if you're new to the faith and you don't know anything about Jesus yet or you're just starting to explore this, you, this, is where, this is the starting spot. This is the foundational piece. And, and nobody can believe that for you. You can't like, catch that from being near to other people. It really is something that you personally need to open your heart to and ask Jesus through his Holy Spirit for him to show you his love to you. And then it leads on to that fruitful life. But, and what is that fruitful life? Well, it's, it's a life where we make ourselves at home in his love. And in, the friendship, and in his friendship, he's no longer just the master who tells us what to do. He's our friend, and we know his business. We give ourselves over to his mission, letting other people know that love. Can I pray for us all? Lord, I know that I forget this over and over again, how much you love me, how much I'm accepted in you. And I know that as I forget that, I, I just, I get, dis, I, get, I get pulled in all these different directions. I try earning your approval. I try showing off. I try pretending. And I forget that I really just need to be reminded again that your love is for me unconditional. That your love is for me transformative. That your love is for me every morning, every noontime, every evening, every day, in all my waking moments. And I know there are so many obstacles to me believing this. I know that I fill my life with distractions and other things that make me forget this, God. I pray for me personally, Lord, that you'll remind me every day of this foundational peace that you love me and that that love will become the foundation, Lord, of my every day. I pray for us as a church, God, that your love will be our foundation. Pray that in every way, God, all of us will understand who we are in you and that we'll come not to be part of some kind of religious club, but to be reminded and pruned over and over with this word that we are loved by you. And we're called to love others with everything we do. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room today that has not experienced this love, God, that your spirit will come, that in this moment they will feel even though it's a cold January morning where nothing seems to be happening, God, that in this moment, God, you will transform them with an experience of your love right here, God. And if that's you, if you're feeling God's love pour into your heart and you need prayer, we have a, a space at the side over here where people will be happy to pray with you, pray over you. 
I encourage you, don't go today without talking to someone because we're here to love one another. It's what we're here for. And that includes praying and encouraging one another in moments like this. The band's going to, um, to lead in, in, in a song and in that moment. I encourage you all to just close your eyes and pray and remind yourself of this truth, God, that God is telling us that we need his love every day. We need to remain in that love. Lord, remind us to remain in you every day. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, and we hope you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.